Hey there, thank you so much for joining me on episode one of the brand new Dermatillomania Diaries podcast. I am so excited to be here and I'm excited for you to be here too. My name is Kim, also known as Kim and Skin on Instagram, TikTok, and you can also find me on YouTube too. What can you expect from this new podcast? As someone who suffered with dermatillomania, also known as exoriation disorder or compulsive skin picking, I've been dealing with it for over 15 years now. And the last few years, predominantly the last two or three years, I've spent my time trying to understand my bodily focus, repetitive behavior. After trying to take matters into my own hands, going to the doctor, a medical professional to try and get some answers. I found that I was quite disappointed and disheartened. So in time, after licking my wounds and getting bad on it, I took it upon myself to get a better understanding of what I was going through so that it could help me, but also hopefully provide support to others that were dealing with the same thing. So what can you expect with the Dermatillo Diaries? On this podcast, I'll be talking to some experts, different fields that are here to help and provide us with really helpful information in dealing with our bodily focus repetitive behavior. It doesn't necessarily mean dermatillomania only. All of these insights will be really useful for whatever it is that you are going through if it sits within a bodily focus repetitive behavior, such as trichotillomania, also known as compulsive hair pulling. I'll also be talking to some guests who are feeling courageous enough to come forward and talk about their own journey. And also a little bit about me too, because I understand if you are completely new to me, I am at the moment a total stranger. So let me go into quickly who I am. So my name is Kim and I have a lot of big sister energy. <laughs> That's because I am a big sister. So it's, you know, it just comes natural. I would say for many years, I have portrayed myself to be an extrovert, whereas actually I would say I'm a bit more of an ambivert, which is a bit of both, a bit of extrovert and a bit of introvert. So I'm one of those people that will go to a party, talk to people, you know, be quite loud and, and chatty. But then you'll find that I've snuck off to the bathroom where I'll stay there for ages and kind of regather my energy because I've just kind of amplified it out ex extra to everybody else. Um, so I do think that's something that I've learned over time to be, whereas naturally I definitely have my introverted energies as well. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that I'm an empath, which I think as we get talking, we will be discussing the empath and how it may be something that you relate to very closely because it's very common trait that those who deal with the bodily focus repetitive behavior are also empaths. So for me, my dermatillomania began almost 16 years ago now. Oh my gosh, I'm sure my age. Oh, and this was a time during puberty. So my skin was changing like rapidly anyway. Um, I was trying to figure myself out, figure out who I was, you know, as you are at that time when you're a teen, you don't really know yourself. And you're also dealing with a lot of stress 
because naturally as you're going through puberty your energy fluctuates because your hormones are fluctuating which massively contribute towards your energy going up and down and not to mention you know your environmental stresses as well so you've got school you're studying um all these tests and you've got people around you all the time you've got perhaps parents that are not syncing well with you and then you're arguing or just, you feel like you don't understand they don't understand you and there's a lot of push and pull but also peer pressure too at school you, you always want to be included you always want to be accepted for who you are and you definitely don't want to feel like you are the odd one out within a huge group of people right that's only natural but I found growing up and, and being at school at that time, I found it extremely pressurizing. I've always been very self-critical and I've always dealt with social anxiety. And that has definitely contributed to my extroverted behavior in some environments, not because I'm actually feeling super confident in myself, but actually the total opposite. It's, you know, in the past been a way of, trying to put out there that I am confident even though I wasn't if that makes sense so with school I was trying to be something I wasn't um, and I found that all of these stresses around me and being very empathic where I was absorbing a lot of energies around me I felt drained a lot of the time and I also had, you know, some issues with my parents at the time as well, even though we were a close family. Unfortunately, because my dad worked away when I was young, we didn't spend a lot of time together. And so he was sometimes there, but mentally not there. Or he just wasn't there physically for those important years of my life when my character was was building my personality was being created and so we didn't have the chance to bond when I was very young and because of that when I was a teenager I started to rebel I started to act out because I felt this state of emotional and mental neglect from my dad and I remember when he was in a bathroom once and I caught him skin picking and I remember him saying, don't do this. And I thought, okay, naturally, when you're at a certain age, you're still kind of believing what your parents are saying is, you know, the right thing. And you do what they say, you don't think about it. But I think after about a year or two later, when I started to go through puberty and I started to get like spots, my skin was extremely oily. Um, and these spots were coming along and my friends were picking their skin. I remembered that my dad did too. And for whatever reason, maybe a, a subconscious way of me wanting to connect with him, I started to pick my skin because I felt like if my parents are doing it, then it can't really be a bad thing. Before I knew it, I was taking out all of my social anxiety on my skin this is because it felt very satisfying 
to remove something that I didn't think should have been there. Whether it was a, an ingrown hair or, you know, it was a, a spot, a pimple or a scab or whatever that was stopping me from seeing that area of the skin as perfect. I would often wait until I'd get home and I would go, go to town on my skin. I remember being at school and all through class, I would be feeling my skin compulsively looking for something. And it wasn't until I had a negative experience with a boyfriend when I was a young teen that made me completely go into my shell. And I really felt like nobody around me understood what I was going through. And because of that, I went towards my safety blanket, which was skin picking. It was the one thing that I could do when I was on my own to make me feel relaxed, to take me away from these crazy overthoughts that were just circling me constantly. It made me feel in the present. It made me feel like I was purifying myself in some way, like I was cleansing myself physically by getting rid of something on my skin that I did not feel was should have been there. And the more anxious I felt, the more I would retract and park the intense feelings until I got home, until I could go into the bathroom, put on the bright lights, lock the door, and spend a long time, hours often, you know, easily go through hours compulsively skin picking and it wouldn't just be my face it would literally be anywhere on my body that I felt there was something there that had to go and for so long I thought that I would grow out of it that naturally the time would come where you know as you become an adult you start getting you stop getting acne this is what, this is my thoughts, right? <laughs> Time has shown that's not necessarily true. <laughs> but I always thought that when I reach a certain age, I would just stop doing it and I would just grow out of it and that would be it. And after, you know, a few years, I kind of felt like something needs to be done, but I'm still open to the fact that I'm probably just going to stop. And then I realized that these marks are starting to leave scars. So whether that was hyperpigmentation or even those kind of see-through, silvery, shiny scars and raised bumps on the skin that would take months to, to fully be removed or wouldn't be removed at all, that would just stay. I realized that actually this is a problem because in my late teens, going to university, I realized that nobody else was experiencing or, or what I thought was nobody else was experiencing what I was experiencing. I would assess everybody's skin and I would see absolutely no marks. And I'd notice that my normal was very different to their normal in terms of their skin. I would notice marks that I had and, and other people didn't. And I noticed that I had to prep well in advance to be able to go to a social occasion. I remember my, my prom when I was 16, 
And it took me uh, three and a half weeks of a strict no skin picking ban <laughs> just so that I could go to the prom. Uh, and I still put a lot of makeup on my body. Um, I had like a full regime head to toe to make sure that my skin looked and felt smooth. And then I'd still put makeup on the areas that I was very self-conscious about. And I distinctively remember, you know, feeling anxious, but also good about how I f was looking physically because I knew that I had spent weeks in preparation, especially when I tried my dress on and I had spots all over my body. I had marks all over my body. And I remember being in the dressing room for the prom dress prior to the prom taking place and my mum saying do you want to come out and show us your dress and I just remember that intense anxiety oh my goodness I didn't want to go outside this is daylight this was you know my skin is not prepared yet for people to see me and also it was a huge juxtaposition of this beautiful dress on what I believed was a very ugly body I just felt like it highlighted the marks even more because the dress was so pretty I remember having to step out and my mum was very supportive well she just her, her I'm sure her idea of support was to just not mention anything and just you know go on as normal and I appreciated that I, I really did but I know that the dressmaker saw my skin and I saw this kind of sad look in her eyes. And, and I felt sad. I felt very sad. So I knew that when prom was coming, I had to prep my skin to make sure it's perfect because I didn't want anybody else to look at me in that way. I wanted to feel confident. I wanted to feel beautiful. It was my prom. And once I... I had my prom I remember then going back home and going crazy on my skin making up for time lost and it is like when you think about it a delayed gratification because I knew for a long time I was kidding myself and believing that if I just stop picking for this event then my skin will look so good that I won't want to pick anymore and I believed that over and over and over again <laughs> for many years. And every time after the event, whether it was a holiday or prom or a night out with friends or a, um, I don't know, any kind of occasion where I wanted to look nice, I wanted to show a bit of skin. As soon as the occasion was over, I would go to town and I would just skin pick from head to toe. And of course, I would then feel terrible. And so the cycle began all over again. So when I was at university and, and a couple of years after that, I realized like this is an issue. This is not just a habit, which is what a lot of people around me were saying. It was just a habit. You'll grow out of it or here's some spot cream or, you know, all these type of things that just actually made me feel really low. It made me feel even worse because it made me feel like if this is a habit, then why do I feel so out of control? And also habits, people, people stop ha negative habits all the time. 
they just introduce like positive habits and their negative habits just diminish and great. But I feel so out of control with this. I'm doing it all the time. So how can you say that it's a habit? And it wasn't until I went to the doctors the first time. I've been to the doctors twice about my dermatillomania. Um, and they didn't really know. They were kind of shrugging their shoulders at me. And they prescribed me with antidepressants. And I remember distinctively feeling frustrated and unheard in thinking, I did not say I was depressed. Of course, this makes me feel very low. It makes me feel very self-conscious. And, it, you know, the last thing I want to do is be outside. It's definitely increasing my social anxiety. But I didn't come in here saying I'm depressed. I certainly wasn't expecting you to give me a prescription for antidepressants. Even if some medication to enhance my serotonin in the brain could be helpful. I felt like I was kind of just turned away, you know, given my five minutes of, of a listening ear and turned away with a script to go get something to alleviate the immediate feelings perhaps, but not to get to the root problem. And it wasn't until I did my own research, having looked at lots of forums online back in the day of people just feeling really out of control and really down, where I came across this word dermatillomania. I'll be honest, dermatillomania, like what a name, what a name. It sounds like a dinosaur, <laughs> the dermatillosaurus. It sounds like a dermatillosaurus. Uh, and I was like, what on earth is that? <laughs> uh, you know, it sounds, yeah, like what? The more I would read about it, I realized, okay, this is literally what I'm experiencing. I, like, I'm ticking these symptoms off pretty much. And I remember being you know, fresh out of university, I didn't have a lot of money. And I remember spending what little money I had on a ebook and just reading more about dermatillomania. And they talked about CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, and how that can be beneficial. And it really made me gain the confidence to push back and go back to a different doctor this time and say, this is what I have. These are the facts based on medical research at this time, at this point in time. These are my symptoms. Here we go. List, order. And I need help. And it was having that knowledge that helped me go back to my medical professional and say, look, I don't expect you to know this term or know everything about this. I understand that it is a bodily focused repetitive behavior that not very many people probably come to you about because not a lot of people probably know that this is actually a disorder. They're probably being told it's a habit and nothing more, the same way that I had been told for, for many years. But this is real and it's affecting my life 24-7. And with that, they got me onto CBT, which I can talk about in a bit more detail in another episode. 
But from that moment on, I realized that it was up to me. It was up to me to figure out why I was skin picking, why I was turning towards compulsive skin picking to channel my emotions, channel how I was really feeling. And it was also up to me to understand what is going to benefit me, what is going to help me manage this. Because for many years, I was looking for a cure. I was looking for something that was just going to turn that switch off and make me feel normal like everybody else. But here we are 15, 16 years later, and I'm aware that I'm not going to just grow out of it. I'm not just going to stop doing it one day. And I'm not just going to have a quick cure overnight. And maybe if you're listening to this right now, you may have thought that at one point, listening to something like this would give you a quick cure and your skin picking would just stop. I'd love to be able to say that, uh, <laughs> that I have the power to do that, but I don't. Because this is something that has become a safety blanket for myself, for maybe yourself. And it's going to take a little bit of, you know, delving deeper, peeling back those onion layers to figure out why we're doing it and trying to see it from all different angles so that we can truly understand what dermatillomania is or, or what our bodily focus behavior is. I can say that in this time, I've been able to manage my dermatillomania a lot better due to my attitude due to understanding that I'm no longer looking for a cure. I'm looking to manage it. I'm looking to stay present and look at what I can do, little things I can do every day to help manage it. And instead of seeing it as this big black cloud over my life, feeling, you know, saying terms like, I need to stop skin picking, it's taken over my life. Why do I do this? All these self-critical phrases that I'm putting out there into the world and repeatedly saying to myself in my own head. I've realized that by shifting my attitude towards it in a more positive, loving, supportive way, the pressure lowers and the desire to skin pick also lowers. Because as we'll talk about in this podcast, pressure is a big, big driver towards our bodily focused repetitive behavior. It pushes us back into this cycle. And as we continue to apply pressure on ourselves through critical thinking or whatever, we'll keep going to this safety blanket you know, like as a child that can't sleep without their teddy or their blanket, this is ours. This is something that we go and do every time we feel out of control or stressed, anxious, whatever it is. And so we have to slowly, slowly move it a little further from us daily, bit by bit tiny little steps 
until we feel like we can manage it better. It's not going to work by just yanking it away from us and assuming that we'll just be fine and we won't pick up any other behavior, negative behavior to take its place. About understanding that it's a marathon and not a sprint. And accepting that, seeing that as totally okay, welcoming that. And as we become more present in what we're doing day to day, we won't even be thinking about the end goal because we will be fully focused on today. And through that, we will also find more peace and more self-acceptance. We'll be able to understand our personal needs. So understanding what we need to help support ourselves and by doing so will reduce our compulsive skin picking or or hair pulling. I hope this intro has been kind of useful. I kind of wanted you to get to know me a little bit before we went any further because this is a this is a big topic and I don't know about you but when I first started talking about dermatillomania I didn't know anybody I didn't know anybody else that was struggling with it. I felt extremely alone. And I'll be honest, there were some times where I didn't even want to be around anymore. I remember one really hard time when I had I was having panic attacks often and there was a massive one where I needed to get a flight and I I couldn't I I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was procrastinating because deep down I knew that I didn't want to get that flight and so I skim picked like crazy and I ended up just having an absolute panic meltdown and my sister had to come in to the bathroom and cradle me and it's times like that where you feel completely out of your depth and completely alone and if you're like me in, in some ways you'll totally understand how it feels to carry all of these moments with us all of these experiences the times we've been upset with ourselves the times we stare blankly in the mirror like what what have you done why do you do this all that pressure all that critical thinking all that self-loathing you carry that it's so easy for us to just take that on with us, uh, onto our shoulders every day. And so it's not going to be just an overnight thing for us to be able to develop a better relationship with it and to start loving ourselves, truly loving ourselves and learning self-esteem, real self-esteem and real confidence. And I know if, if you're anything like me as well, the word confidence makes me cringe like i for only till maybe the last 6 months have i really started to feel a real confidence and i want us to explore that together because we deserve it we don't need to believe that our happiness and our peace and our love all these good feelings that we give to other people we don't need to feel like we can't have those today and that 
we'll get them one day, but just not today. Because perhaps you're the same as me in, in, in the fact that you haven't ever really felt those within yourself. And years are flying by, days are turned to weeks, to months, to years. And no matter what you do in your life, you're not feeling happy. You're not feeling love for yourself. And you just believe that one day it's going to happen. Well, it's up to us through baby steps to learn that love and to practice that love. And that is what the Dermatillo Diaries is all about so that it can help us get a better understanding to help us feel not alone, realizing that this is a community that we're part of and we'll be speaking with members of the community and getting to know their stories, which will help us feel strengthened, supported, will help us feel heard, seen. And of course, if you would like to be part of an episode as well, you feel free to reach out to me. Best way is probably Instagram. You can reach me on Kim on Skin, K-I-M-O-N-S-K-I-N. I'm also on TikTok and YouTube. So come and say hi or drop me an email. The email is linked to my Instagram, so you can find it via there. And just say hi, come say hi. Let's, let's be friends on a more personal level. Because if you've made it to the end of this episode, I feel like you're open for change, for positive change. You're open to trying. You're open to finding out what life could be at like without it. Not a sense of it being gone completely, because it may never be gone completely, but without the pressure, without the self-criticism, without that, that black cloud over us day after day, and instead welcoming peace and love and support. If you're still here, then it sounds like that's something you're interested in. And I'm really interested in that. <laughs> so let's find out together. Once again, come and say hi to me over on social media. Let me know your thoughts on this. This is episode one. So I'm always, always open to hearing your honest feedback. And let me know what you want to hear, what you want to find out about, because we've got some amazing experts in the diary, which I can't wait for you to hear the conversation we'll be having. And of course, if you visit me on social media and you come say hi, you'll see that prior to us having these expert conversations, I'll be putting out areas for you to submit your stories in, in advance or submit your questions in advance so that these can be shared. Whether you have a question for an expert or you have a story that you'd like to have as part of the podcast, have discussed, shared with others within our community. And lastly, before we go, I just want to end it on a nice quote, because this is something I want to do. As we go into a new week, it's nice to have a thought of something that we can ponder for the rest of the day, because this is a really exciting space in time. 
where we're stepping towards knowledge and self-growth in a place that you may experience some push and pull. And listening to this, you may even be skin picking now or, or hair pulling or, pulling or nail biting or whatever it is. You may be doing it right now, which is totally okay. Because if that is your comfort right now, it makes sense. The idea alone of, of not wanting to do it anymore may push you to do it more. So it's just being aware that this is a very exciting time. And with that, with these new thoughts in our minds, there may be some push and pull. And that's accepted. That's totally okay. Jeremy Kent, the author of The Hope Handbook, says, never underestimate the power you have to take your life in a new direction. Just think about that. You have the power. We have the power.